Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. The good life isn't something you find, it's someone you become. That, my friends, was said by my guest today, Addison Bevere. Now, for those of you that don't know who Addison is, he enjoys the simple things in life, time spent playing with his four kids, late night conversations with his wife, interesting words that no one really uses, a meaningful day of work, and of course, a good book. Addison is also the COO of Messenger International, an organization that impacts millions of people in over 150 countries through his various initiatives. And he's also the co-founder of sonsanddaughters.tv, which what started out as a YouTube outreach to millennials back in 2017, led by John and Lisa Bevere's sons and their wives, Sons and Daughters has turned into a fully-fledged movement that seeks to position young believers to lead community into the adventure, freedom, and purpose found in their creator. Sons and Daughters is a global community with ambassadors in more than 40 countries, believe it or not, with a collection of podcasts, studies, and events. And guess what, my friends? They have just released their first ever book called I Am. Find your identity, claim your freedom, embrace the adventure. Uh, It is already released right now, so you can go and get a copy of that book right now. Links will be in the show notes below for each and every one of you to go and get a copy. And this is going to be an incredibly powerful conversation with me and Addison. Uh, Addison is now a good friend and I consider him a mentor from afar. He really knows how to put things into perspective in a, in a simple yet challenging way that I know that you guys are going to really get uh, a lot out of him and his story. And we do touch on this incredible book, I Am, Find Your Identity, Claim Your Freedom and Embrace the Adventure. Uh, we talk about a lot of other areas too, but this in particular, I Am, the book, there are you've got to go and get a copy of the book. That's just me being completely honest and transparent with you. I've already ordered my copy and I can't wait for it to arrive. But my friends, if you do get something from this incredible conversation, which I have no doubt that you will, uh, please do share it around to all your friends and your family. Let everyone know about this one, especially this one, uh, because it's going to change a lot of lives 
All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box as we learn about who I am really is, finding your identity, claiming your own freedom and embracing the adventure along the way as we listen, learn and grow from the incredible story, the wisdom and the advice of none other than my friend, Addison Bevere. Thank you, Jay. It's so cool that we get to do this. I'm here in Colorado and you're way down in Australia. How good and is technology? Here we are. Come on. It's unreal, man, especially in a world like this one, where this really is one of the few ways that we can connect. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for technology at Zoom in particular. It's been an absolute godsend. I mean, I've, I've loved being able to connect with people like yourself all across the globe. And, you know, I've made a lot of friends in America now, and I cannot wait to actually get over there. You made me jealous a moment ago just by talking about how good Colorado actually is. And, you know, I had already heard so many great things about it. But um, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to diving into your backstory today, man. The very first question I do have for you to start off this conversation yeah. officially is what does success look like for you? Man, that's a great question. Success. So are you talking about success in general or success in a specific area? Success in general. What does it look general, like yeah. to you? Yeah, for me, I think there's so many people today who are trying to compartmentalize their lives. And in doing so, they create this duplicitous relationship with themselves and they live disintegrated lives. So for me, I would say success looks like an integrated life. Mm a life where all of it is moving and flowing in the same direction, the seemingly contradictory parts, finding harmony and purpose, um, bringing their differences together into the center of who I am and what that means in the season of life and the outworking of the mission. As far as my awareness of mission in this season, um, I think a lot of people have a linear view of success, a linear view of calling. And I view calling less as a formula and more um, as an experience that we get to unpack as we grow in our experiences. I like to tell people, they're always asking me like, how do I figure out what my calling is? I tell them, listen, your calling is not discovered in a day, a month, or even a season. It's cultivated through a lifetime of discoveries. And so I'm very passionate about living aware. There's so much happening around us. So success, I think, is being in tune with this moment, with this season, with this this uh, this time in history and figuring out what that means for us individually. You mentioned your mission in this particular season. I'm curious, yeah. what is your mission right now? Yeah, I mean, right now I have I have four children. Okay, so I have four children, ranging um, in ages from five to twelve. I get to be a dad with kids at home for another thirteen years. So I'm I'm in this season with my oldest now. 12 years old. I mean, I got six years before he turns 18. So I'm very aware of the fact that this is a season of fatherhood for me. And, and I want to be present as a father. I want to be invested in my kids. Um, so often people view success, they view it as something outside of the home. And don't get me wrong, vocationally, I, I, I lead an international organization. I write books. I, I participate in a lot of different ventures and that's fun and that's exciting, but those things only flourish and thrive in my life as they are integrated with what I am doing at home with my wife, with my family, with my kids. So for me in this season, like that really, that really is success. If, if my home life isn't right right now, nothing else for me matters. 
honestly, like that's, that's where I'm at in this season because my wife and my kids are so important. And we've talked about God and what God's put on our lives and what he's called us to. I feel like families become collateral damage as people pursue whatever God has placed in them. And I just, I do not want that to be the story of my life. Mm. Do you ever think that that mission will change for you? Like, do you ever think it will shift uh, to a, a, a different point in your life when you do get older or do you think it will remain the same? Uh, absolutely. And I think, so I, I think we can't really handle the truth of our lives we grasp for control. I mean, even the response that we're seeing across the globe to COVID, it's a grasp for control. Like there are things, Jay, that I just don't know right now that I'll know in 10 years from now. There are things that I don't know right now that I'll know five years from now, one month from now. And so that's why I like to live aware of the season that I am, that I'm in because seasons change. Some seasons, you know, they change overnight. Other seasons, we we have longer periods of time and we're aware of how those seasons are changing and when the shift is happening. And so for me, I absolutely know it's going to look different in the seasons ahead. And that, that inspires me to be intimate with the moment. You know, Jesus said in Matthew six, he said, Hey, don't worry about tomorrow. He's like, don't take on the cares and concerns of tomorrow. And he's not saying, Hey, don't be a person of vision. He's actually saying, if you're intimate with the day, If you're in tune with what's happening in this moment, you're actually going to find insight. You're going to garner insight that's going to lead to foresight. So if you're in tune with the day, you'll actually know what you need to do tomorrow. And there's that question. I love asking people this. I love asking the question because people get fixated with certain outcomes. And I I say, okay, hey, you achieve this. You get married. You have kids. You get that promotion. You get that degree. And then what? Yep. What comes next? And then what? And then what? And then what? There's always something more. So for me, it's learning success. Looks like learning how to live fully alive and fully in tune, fully integrated with the moment that I find myself in. Yeah. It's kind of like people get stuck in that that vicious cycle, right? Like they're, they're constantly chasing the next thing, the next high. And that kind of, for a lot of people, they don't feel like they're ever going to be worthy of the next thing. So that's why they chase it. And when they actually do end up getting it, it still doesn't feel it may feel great for a season of time, but then it just sort of wears off and then you go to the next thing. And then that's what, that's what happened to me, you know, like growing up, I thought success was actually, you know, getting the nice car, the fancy house, even having, you know, the, the best job in the world, becoming a filmmaker, the next Spielberg, all that sort of stuff. And then when that didn't happen, my life shifted and God took me in a very different direction to doing what I'm doing today. But for me, it's never been, now I realize it's never been about stuff. It's always been about how can I make an impact on the lives of, of people in, in the world, really, for not just um, finding their worth or their identity, but also yeah. bringing to light Christ. And that's, yeah, that's really my purpose. I, I believe that and, and just enhancing their story. But something that you mentioned there that sort of interested me a little bit was revolving around uh, finding your season or actually really knowing that you are in a season. Why do you think that people actually struggle to know that they are in a particular season in the first place? I mean, I think one of the main reasons is distraction. I mean, we are, we are so distracted. We obviously we live in the information age. We're bombarded with stuff. And um, attention is the currency of our day. Everyone is a, everyone's fighting for your attention. Everyone, they're paying millions and billions of dollars for your attention. 
And so it's, you know, if you're not aware of that, it's very easy for us to live distracted lives. And I think people are unaware of the beauty and the purpose and the wonder of what they find themselves in right now, because they're so distracted by what that other person has or what they don't have, or a season that's coming that they wish was here now, or a season that's past that they wish they were back in. And, and so the, I believe the enemy of our soul, one of his greatest, greatest tactics to derail our story and to keep us from enjoying what is happening in this moment is he's terrified of us living in the present. He wants us to live in the past or he wants us to live in the future. And if you look at it scripturally, like the past and the future, they belong to God. What we have is the present. And so when we try to live in the past or the future, we actually unmake our lives because it's a form of idolatry. Anytime we worship something or grasp for a form of control that is not ours to grasp for, our lives start to fundamentally break down. And so one of the things that I I try to share with people is, listen, if you are in tune with the moment, if you are aware of what is happening in your life right now, like you're not going to miss it. I think I think people are so distracted because it's the FOMO, it's a fear of missing out. And they apply that to God. They think like God's trying to hide what his what his best is for them. Like he's trying to keep them from discovering a flourishing life, a purposeful life. And when it comes to God, like God's more invested in us discovering why we have breath than we are. He's really more invested, more interested in that. And if we feel like something's hidden from us, the truth is it's being hidden for us. We're just not ready for it. When when we are ready for it, when we have the wisdom, when we have the perspective, when we have the opportunity, like that thing will reveal itself in time, in the right time. And I'm I'm a firm believer of that. And that's not that doesn't look like sitting on our butts and not doing anything. It looks like what I call active patience. There's so many people, you know what I'm saying? Like active patience. There's so many people living frenzied lives. I see it, Jade. I know you see it. They're frenzied. And it's like, man, you're not even seeing the beauty of life. Like you're looking for opportunity X, Y, and Z, and you're missing opportunity A that is right in front of you that would completely and radically change your life. But because you're looking for some caricature, a knockoff of what you think is best for your life, based on your limited understanding right now, you're actually missing out on the disruptive opportunity that's going to change everything, break open your future and lead you into what you deeply and truly desire to be a part of. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Active patience. I mean, I, I guess for me in particular, I've found that a lot harder than what I actually want it to be. <laughs> it's been this constant struggle, man. Like, I want, especially with some of the things that I'm planning, I want it now. And I've always been that sort of person. And you're right. We kind of miss all the beauty that is going on around us in the present moment because we get ahead of ourselves. We get to the what ifs. We, and it just becomes this once again, like I was saying, the vicious cycle of, you know, just you're abusing yourself and you're missing the, the important things. But I'm I'm interested in, you mentioned trusting in God for a second. For those people that want to know or need to know more or less, how can we better trust in God? Yeah, and I probably, sh- I probably should ask you more about the audience to get a, <laughs> get a feel for, you know, what kind of audience is listening to this. But wherever you're on the spectrum, whether you're someone who believes in God or you don't believe in God or you're, um, like the, the thing about God as revealed, and I come from, I come from a Christian background. Okay. 
And the thing about God is God is invested in our lives. He cares for our lives. He's not this distant deity who doesn't really care about what happens, who kind of spun the world into motion, doesn't really care about what's happening here. He's very invested in our story. In fact, if you look at scripture and scripture has been misunderstood as a lot of things, but what scripture is, it's a meta narrative. And when it's, when it's understood as anything else, people can abuse it. People can um, manipulate it. People can use it to um, bolster their own agenda, their own purpose, their own sense of justice, their own sense of righteousness. And so I think it's important for people to hear, number one, like God is interested in your story. He is interested in you discovering what it means to be a son or a daughter of God and live out that reality in today's world and this cultural moment. And when it comes to trusting God, I believe trusting God is believing that there is something that's bigger than ourselves mm-hmm. in our lives. And like, this is the power of faith. Like I, I don't like using Christian these terms, but I'm going I'm I'm to talk about faith. I'm going to talk about it in a different light, but faith is simply like believing that there is something beyond the end of what I can see right now. Yeah. And what God invites us into is he invites us to say like, hey, acknowledge that there is something more than what you see and what you know right now. And by acknowledging, ironically, that's actually going to lead you into that something more. See, when Jesus came onto the scene and he announced good news, the good news was announced with this idea of repentance. Now we've twisted repentance to mean a whole bunch of things, but the Greek word metanoia, what it actually means, it means, hey, wake up. Like change, like change your mind, acknowledge that you don't see things clearly. Like there's something more. And when you acknowledge that there's something more, you ironically start to see things that you didn't see before. Can I share a quick story with Go you? Go for it, man. This is a story box. Okay. Yep. Story box. So I, um, I was born, uh, I was born with a cataract in my right eye for the people or listening, don't know what a cataract is. It's a, it's like a fog that develops on your lens. And the only way for them to get rid of it is they have to actually go in and they cut out your lens and they put an artificial lens in. So if you're squeamish about eye stuff, I'm sorry. Uh, but I, I went in for the operation. I prolonged it as long as I possibly could because I am very squeamish about eye stuff. And I go in and they, they look at my eye and they're like, yeah, this cataract basically covers your entire lens. You definitely need to cut it out. Let's do it. It's going to change your life. So I did the procedure. There were complications, ended up having, long story short, they actually had to stitch up my eye. The next, a couple of days later, they had to stitch up my eye and the anesthesiologist had left for the day because the vitreous fluid was starting to leak. It was, I went through this whole thing, four procedures over the course of a few weeks. It was very traumatic. (laughs) But after all of this, I'm sitting down with the eye surgeon. I had to go to like four different eye doctors and eye specialists during this time. I'm sitting down with the eye surgeon who did the cataract surgery. I'm like, doc, like you were supposed to cut out my lens, put a new lens in and I was supposed to see things clearly. And he looked at me and he's like, Addison, I like, I don't understand why you're not seeing clearly. He's like, you have a perfectly clear lens. And he said, the problem is your brain is still convinced that you're seeing through a fog. So even though I have a completely clear lens because I had over 30 years of seeing the world through a fog lens, I'm still seeing it through a fog lens, even though my lens is perfectly clear. And so what Jesus invites us to do when it comes to the story of our lives, he invites us to say, hey, repent. And by doing so, I'm actually going to give you the ability to see first and foremost, God, second yourself in this world in a whole new way. 
And that is the message of salvation. That's what saves us from the futility and the loss and the brokenness of sin and destruction and positions us to see humanity, positions us to see God in a new way so we can flourish in whatever place we find ourselves in. Mm. I love that explanation, man. Thank you for sharing that story too. I was going to actually ask you to share a particular story where you learned to trust in God a little bit more, but, and that sort of uh, took the cake. <laughs> um, and no, I'm, I'm not squeamish at all, but that is, that is, that is insane. Um, if I was to share some stories with you, like with my health in particular, that would probably make you squeamish with some of the crazy things that I've been through. <laughs> but oh, man. The, the, yeah. Um, so I wanted to sort of uh, go back, back a bit before I go forward a little yeah. bit. Now you grew up, John and Lisa Bevere's uh, son. Uh, what was it like in the home? You grew up in, I believe in a Christian family. When was the moment that you came to the understanding of you needed Christ? Yeah. So I, I grew up in an amazing Christian home. Um, my parents, John and Lisa Bevere, they're both authors, speakers, um, they, they travel and, and minister all over the world. And so I, I did grow up uh, with certain people knowing who I was. And I didn't, I didn't always enjoy that, to be completely, <laughs> to be completely honest. And I saw a lot of things. Be- huh? How come? Sorry. Because, yeah, yeah. because people, um, I felt like people were always comparing me to my parents. Yeah. And, and people presumed to know me because of my parents, so they would just be like, Oh, you're going to be just like your dad. You're going to be just like, I'm like, you don't know me. Like, I, how, like, how do you know that? Like, you, you have no idea who I am. You've never had a conversation with me. You're just assuming certain things because of this image um, that you created of who my parents are. And so I saw a lot of stuff growing up in um, church. Unfortunately, there's a lot of church hurt out there. There's a lot of people that are deconstructing their faith because of things that they've seen um, within the church world. And so I, I saw those things. I saw stuff behind the scenes. And uh, when I was when I was getting a bit older, like late teenage years, I was kind of like, man, I don't I don't really want anything to do with this. I um, I loved God. It, that wasn't it. Um, but I just wasn't really excited about what I was seeing. And the thing about my parents, my parents, they were the real deal. Like they, they were the same people that they were at home, like that they were when they were on the road traveling and speaking. And so that was a great foundation for me. It also solidified my faith because, I mean, I couldn't deny what I saw. Like that was our life. It was real. It was tangible. Um, but then God really got a hold of me right between uh, my, right around my birthday, actually my 18th. 18th year of life, God, God got a hold of me and rocked me. And I started to see things in a different light. I started to have more compassion for, for the brokenness of the church and what I was seeing there. I still went on a deconstruction journey. I think that's healthy in so many ways. I know a lot of people complain about uh, millennials and Gen Z deconstructing church and deconstructing faith. But if it's going to be something that that survives the onslaught of culture, the on the onslaught of doubt. Like we're going to have to really own it. We're going to have to really believe it. It needs to be ours. It needs to be more than just something that's inherited from our parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parents, they're they're crazy phenomenal. Like I I had the the deck stacked in my favor, man, in every single way. Still very close with my parents. They're legends in the faith. They're just good people. They love people. They're humble, crazy humble. That's something that I've learned from my parents watching them navigate so many things and 
almost four decades of life now. Dang, man, I can't believe I'm getting up there. <laughs> almost four decades of life, just seeing like their faithfulness and their humility and um, the way that they they serve. And I mean, something that my parents modeled so beautifully is they apologized a ton to us kids. Mm. They apologized so much, but hey, we're so sorry that we did this. We're so sorry that we did that. And humility creates safety. And when there's a safe place, man, people can do some incredible things relationally. And so we were able to go places as a family that unfortunately, I think a lot of families aren't able to go to because it was such a safe place because the humility that my parents fostered, that was coupled with conviction, that -hmm. was coupled with like a profound sense of like, you know, morals and truths. And um, it was just, it was a really special environment. I'm very thankful for how I grew up. Mm. You mentioned something very, very interesting there that kind of relates to finding God's calling for your life. Now, I grew up in a Christian uh, environment as well, went to church and I had people come to me and then say to me, well, Jay, how do you know that this is God's calling for your life? Because I wanted to be a filmmaker. You know, it was always spun in that way, like actually fundamentally knowing whether or not this was just me wanting it to happen for my own benefit, or it was actually God leading me there in the first place. And you, you mentioned for you, you had people saying, Oh, you're just going to be just like your dad. You know, you're going to have all that thing, all those things happen for you. How did you, uh, I guess my question to you would be is how do you know that it's really God's calling rather than someone actually telling you to, to do it where it's just man. Yeah. Well, I would say, first of all, don't give anyone that kind of power over you. Like don't, don't let, don't let a man or a woman come into your life and demystify your calling. Um, I've had people come to me and say, Hey, Addison, just tell me what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm actually not going to go there because the whole point of calling is covenant is connection. So uh, this is going to sound kind of weird, but like God, (laughs) God doesn't really need us to do something. He invites us into something. Okay. So the whole purpose of giving us purpose is to teach us what it is to be in sync with something that is greater than ourselves. And so many people approach calling from the perspective of my calling instead of, Hey, what is, what is our calling and what does my calling look like within that, that greater mission, that greater purpose. When you look at how God works with his people across the story of history, Really, when we're talking about calling, it's it's about creating connection with him. But I think the mentality is like, God, just give me the answers and then get out of my way. Yeah. Like, I want to check this box. I want to have control. Essentially, like, I want to be God. And maybe you're not like this, Dave, but I've definitely been like this. Like, God, just give me the answers. Get out of my way. And I'm going to take care of my life. I'm going to do the right things. And it's going to be wonderful. And I, I mean, I just imagine the father like kind of chuckling and being like, son, you don't understand. This is actually about intimacy. This is actually about you and I being so connected, so close, so in tune that you can trust me even with your calling, yeah. even with the uncertainty of your calling. I, I think of the, the movie, you might be a little young for this day, but there's a, there's a movie with Jack Nicholas and Tom Cruise and it's called A Few Good Men. So yes. it's an American movie. Okay. Yes. So there's this- you can't scene. handle the truth. Yes, exactly. Yep. And, and you know, so he's badgering them, right? The young lawyer is like, tell me the truth. I demand to know the truth. And Jack's like, you can't handle the truth. And I feel like in some ways, when it comes to our calling and God, 
Like we want the answers. We want to know it all A to Z. We want the whole plan. And God's like, you can't handle the truth. If I gave you the truth that I gave you the whole story A to Z, it would overwhelm you because what I have for you is so great. It's so perfect. It's so involved. It's so far beyond what you can understand. Like really the question you need to ask right now is what am I called to do today? Yeah. What am I called to do today? What am I called to do in this season? What am I called to do in this moment? And so when I just feel like the whole calling thing, like there's like this weird idolatry around it, weird fascination. Yeah. I love how you talk about story. Yeah. And you and I both know that, you know, most stories, they end with this amazing climax, right? And like, that's the moment that we're waiting for, that the story is building for. But a story would suck if all the story was, was that climactic moment. Yeah. It is the tension, it is the buildup, it is the twist and turns. All of that creates the moment, that big moment of this is it. Like, this is what it was all about. Like, this is what the struggle was all for. Mm. And, and I, I believe the journey of life is more like that, more like a story rather than a formula that we figure out when we're in our early 20s and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to stay within those boxes. Mm. You can't handle the truth. It's a great line. And I love <laughs> how you equated that to actually God giving us, imagine if God gave us, the whole truth. What would that look like for our life? And if I was to try and picture it, I mean, my goodness, like, wow. <laughs> I know, I know for a fact that he's got something good, something great for my life. I know that I've seen like little, yeah. little strands, but I don't, in all honesty, I don't think I could handle it right now. And I think that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. because. No. If I was to have it right now, I get overwhelmed, and I don't think he wants mm -hmm. us to be overwhelmed. And I actually wrote uh, in, in my first ever book uh, that life is like a, a roller coaster ride. So strap yourself in because it's going to be one heck of a bumpy ride, but it's going to be an yeah. enjoyable one nonetheless. And yes. yeah, we're, we're all on that journey of life, man. And I just appreciate you sharing that incredible analogy <laughs> and I, I love the the story element too so that that's fantastic um Addison man you have written a a new book called I am find your identity yeah. claim your freedom embrace the adventure uh it's coming out in just a few days I know this podcast is going to be released uh, a little bit after that but uh yeah. can you share you know it's a pretty interesting concept of itself because it wasn't just yeah. one author was it no no we had a couple dozen people contribute to writing the book in different capacities and we feel like the concept of identity is just under attack in general um, people don't really know who they are they don't know what that means for decisions that they make and how they live their lives and we believe that ultimately before we talk about anything like ultimately we are children of god that is why the us first them mentality has to go. That's why the tribalism just isn't going to work. Like we are children of God. We look at, again, I, I will always refer to scripture as story. When we look at the narrative of scripture and revelation, the end, the climax, you see people represented from every tribe, every nation, tongue. It's this glorious, diverse group of people. And yet they are unified around a vision and a reality that they have made their own. And so for us, we wanted to um, 
to cast a vision that's big enough for all the children of God to get behind and be like, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about. And we took seven I am statements that are woven all throughout scripture about who we are as sons and daughters of God. And we created these seven I am declarations that is the foundation of this book. And I'm actually not going to share them. I like, like, I want people to go in and actually work through them. Um, I don't want to cheapen them, but this is what God speaks over us. This is what the father speaks over his children. And you'll notice when you work through it, all seven of these are under attack, all of them. And if you look at John's gospel, Jesus, he modeled this. And this was kind of the inspiration for the book. If you look at John's gospel, there's actually, there's actually seven I am statements that Jesus makes in John's gospel that are incredibly disruptive. All seven of them kind of make everyone be like, what in the world did he just say? And we're big fans of disruption for the sake of truth, for the sake of what God has called us to. Like, we don't want to just play it safe. We don't want to just go through the motions. As you mentioned with the subtitle, this is an adventure. Like, this is supposed to be a little scary. This isn't supposed to be safe. And, and so we're, we're bringing, bringing this idea of I am, okay, so what does it actually mean for us to embrace I am that identity? And, um, and we work it out in the book. So it's, it's a lot of fun. We have contributions from people all over the world, different countries, sharing stories. And as I mentioned, the editor did a great job synthesizing it and bringing it together. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this breakdown. It's a pretty ancient breakdown. I can't remember where exactly it comes from. But since you're a story guy, Jay, I think you're going to love this if you've never heard it before. But when we're talking about our lives, we're talking about God and we're talking about the world and this cultural moment, everything that we're navigating from gender conversations to racial reconciliation to the political polarization, all of that. It's important for us to understand how to relate to our fellow human beings within the context of story. I'm sure you would agree with that. So there's three, there's three levels of story. The first level of story is my story. Yeah. Okay. My story. That is me individually, Addison Bevere, UJ, my story. Okay. And a lot of people, that's where they live. They don't really go beyond that. Their life is centered on the idea of my story. Okay. The next level is our story. And this, and this was a story that Jesus was inviting his followers into, even with the Lord's prayer. It's not my father who is in heaven. We would like that better. It's our father, you know, our father who is in heaven. It's an invitation of people who don't think like you don't look like you. Right. So our story, unfortunately though, still some people, they, they get lost there and they don't take the next step. And that's where we get into tribalism and nationalism. Okay. But the, the next level up is the story, the story, the story that is being told across ages, across generations, across cultures. And what's amazing, because we think we, we think small just because we have to, right? So we compartmentalize. Remember I said at the very beginning, I'm all about integration. We compartmentalize because we can't handle the beauty and the transcendence of the truth. So we break it up into little pieces and fight about which piece is the great greatest piece, right? Like that's essentially what we do. But when you start to see the my, our, and the, you actually see how they work from top to bottom and from bottom to the top. It works both ways and living in the awareness of all three actually invigorates and energizes the story on every level. And so with this book of I am, what we're doing is we're inviting people 
to see their lives, not just through my story, but our story, ultimately the story, which will energize my story and our story and our story. So that there is, you go. That is amazing. Can I just drop the mic right there? <laughs> that was awesome, man. Wow. I, I cannot I'm wait for people it, to get a hand on, on this book, man. And, and, you know, one of the verses that was coming to mind when you mentioned I am, and when I was like researching behind this concept was when God says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. And I also love how you mentioned the best or the story that is being told. And I'm reminded of, the best story that was ever told in the history of mankind yes. was the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's when he came yes. he died, and he rose again. That, that for me, like no other story on the face of this earth matters more to me than that mm. story. So I, mm. I love this, this book Come on, man. already, and I haven't even read the thing. <laughs> so there we go. I mean, you, you're piecing it all together. Oh. You're making me more <laughs> excited to actually pick it up and go through the seven I am's. Um, but where can people pick up a copy of this book yeah. and learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Amazon. I don't know if Amazon's big in Australia, but it's big in the U.S. for your U.S. listeners. Amazon's going to have it. Um, it's really going to be available wherever books are sold. Um, the ebook is available on launch date September 21, um, 2021. And then the audiobook, we uh, we went with the same theme of not a single person with the audiobooks. We actually had four people. Um, record the audiobook, and it's not like changing mid chapter. It changes at the chapter break, so it's not weird. Um, but we had multiple people record the audiobook, and that's coming out in October, October of this year. So, whether you're an audiobook person, ebook person, or physical book person, um, there's definitely an option for you. And as far as getting more connected with Sons and Daughters and what we do through Sons and Daughters, they can go to sonsanddaughters.tv and um, Sons and Daughters TV on Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram sometimes, uh, I'm not on there a ton, but I'm getting on more. Okay. Like I'm the opposite of most, like one of my uh, resolutions go to the second half of this year is like, all right, I need to, I need to be on social media more. <laughs> so it's just, I'm so weird. <laughs> Mine is Addison Bevere and um, they're welcome to connect with me there. So there we go. I'll make sure that everyone knows where to connect with you, where to find you, and where to get a copy of this book. Addison, man, I've got a, a few more questions for you, if you don't mind. This yeah, has been a very non-linear conversation. We've been all over the place, but I want to just sort of bring it all together in the very end. Yeah, I love that. Um, when, Come on, man. Hey, you've heard what I said about like the whole idea of linear. Like We need more texture. We need more twists and turns. So there you go. It's with the theme. I'm loving it, man. Like this is, this is a fun conversation for me. Uh, you speak in my language this whole time. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. But when I in your life, good. man, has you, where you felt that you've been the most vulnerable? Mm, wow. I've had a few. So let me, let me try to pick one. Um, I had a season of my life where uh, my wife, who has been my wife for 13 years, she, um, I actually introduced her to Jesus. Okay. Oh. So she was, yeah, it's crazy story. So she was like on drugs, um, hard, just hard drinking, multiple boyfriends, like full on player through a crazy chain of events. We ended up meeting each other. We had mutual friends, ended up meeting each other. 
hung out. It was like a pseudo date, hung out. Um, and God just rocked her. Like she, she started seeing herself different. She saw God different within a week, man, within a week, she had given her life to Jesus. Everything had changed. And she told me she loved me. Okay. Within a week, (laughs) it was wild. Okay. And God was doing something so special in my life through all that. Well, anyway, like she didn't even know what John 3 16 said, right? Like she, she was completely scripturally illiterate. And then she finds out that like, I'm a, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. And she's like, I need to go to Bible school. She was going to Texas state at the time. And she's like, I need to go to Bible school. That's why I'm like, listen, you don't need to go to Bible school. Like you're good. Like you could go. She's like, no, I want to go to Bible school. Like I want to get all in. So she ended up going to this Bible school that was super strict and kind of weird. And they, they told her that they could, that she couldn't talk to me for her entire first year of Bible school because we had quote unquote, an emotional or soul tie or something like that. Um, so I wasn't allowed to talk to her for an entire year, not even letters. I mean, nothing, nothing, 275 days and nine months of the school year. Oh yeah. And dude, it broke me down. Like I, all these thoughts of comparison, cause she was in this school with like other dudes and stuff. And I was like, man, I've, like at that point when she went to school, like I'd given my heart to her. Like I knew this is the girl I wanted to marry. And so I wrote her every day for 275 days. I wrote her every day and it was over 400 pages worth of letters. Okay. 400 pages worth of letters. I mean like massive. And on the, the day she graduated from, uh, from that first year of school, I gave her all the pages and I asked her to marry me just a couple of weeks after that. So that season of my life, though, I felt like everything um, came came under question, and I've had others since then, but that one in particular, man, it was it was brutal. It was, and I, if I now when I go back and I read those letters, and when I'm pouring out on those pages, oh my gosh, like I start to hurt for myself when I go back through those. <laughs> Wow. So, but it, 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 Jay, it was so important because it did, it did something for both of us. Cause I was a big part of her encountering God. Like I needed to get removed from her life. Mm-hmm. Otherwise her relationship with God would have been through me. Mm-hmm. And it solidified both of us. Like we had to give up the thing that was most important to us, which is like, I mean, that is vulnerability. Like that's what Abraham experienced with his journey with Isaac, get, having to give up the thing that was most important to him, his son, and what God did in that season, though, solidified what he had promised to both of us separately. And when we came out of that first year, man, we were so in love, so connected. And I'm not just saying this, like I've been married for 13 years and I try to like relate to people when it comes to marriage. But like, dude, my marriage is ridiculously amazing. Like we we have such we have such a strong relationship we're so close. We're so connected. I'm not saying that we don't have like rough moments, but the love, the infatuation, the commitment. And I, I really do attribute a lot of that to our season of vulnerability and to our season of laying these things down. Mm. Wow. That's, that's an amazing story, man. Like <laughs> you're, you're setting me up to go down so many different avenues with that <laughs> and ask you many, many questions. But the one thing that I do want to ask you, it's a three-parter question. So you're going to have to stick yeah. with me here. What do you love the most about your wife? Then I want to ask you, what do you love the most about yourself and your story? Oh, wow. Okay. 
love the most about my wife. And I mean, honestly, and this may sound cliche, um, but what I love the most about my wife is that she fears God. Like my wife, more than anything else in this world, obeys God, stands in awe of who God is and has given her life and everything that she is to God, which means that I don't have to be her savior, which means I don't have to be perfect, which means I can trust her. Like, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. So I would say, I would say that's the thing I love most about my wife. Um, it's because you know, things change in seasons, right? And there's even a proverb that says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will forever be praised. And that's like, that's how I feel about my wife. Okay. The second one was me. I would say the thing that I love most about myself is um, my desire to learn. Like I have an insatiable desire to learn, to grow. um, And it, that desire has created um, a humility in me because I just, I realize how little I know. As I learn more and more, I realize how much more I need to learn. And it's just, that's safe. Like I said earlier, humility creates safety. It's a safe place to be. It keeps me from becoming arrogant and prideful and starting to live small because I know the world is so much bigger than what I can see right now. I know God is so much bigger. I know what he's put on my life is so much bigger than what I can see right now. And it keeps me hungry. Okay. And then what was the final thing? My story. Your story. Yep. Yeah, man, my my favorite thing about my story, and I I believe this is what makes every story what it is, what it should be, is um, the people that God has blessed me with in my story. The people that God has blessed with my story. I would say that and the tension. Mm -hmm. I I believe every good story requires tension. And I mean, James says, and James only says, count it all joy when various trials Various tribulations come your way. And he talks about how this perfects you. And the Greek word is teleos. And what it means, it means a perfection that only comes through a process. It's not a perfection that comes through like checking the right boxes and doing the right things. It's a perfection that comes through the tension, through the process, through seeing things, through going through things, through trusting God, through developing faith, trusting people, seeing what works in relationships, seeing what doesn't work in relationships. So I know you said one thing. Give you two, I'd say the people and the tension. And those two often work hand in hand. You know what I'm saying? The people and the tension. The people are often the people creating the tension in your life. Uh, but it's it's all a part of the beauty of the story. Mm, absolutely, man. Addison, dude, I could speak to you for ages. I really do mean that. But I do have to be respectful of your time. My final question for you, man. This is my all-time favorite question. I ask all my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one but I want you to imagine with me that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. I know, stay with me. It, we'll just call it magic <laughs> argument, right? Magic, I love it. Let's do it. Good. <laughs> They've been able to get it all and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Wow. I would say one of the things that it has to say is that um, he loved his family. He was there for his family, was committed to his family. Uh, For me, that's huge. The other one for me would be that he was true. Like he was true to who he he said he would be. Um, He was true to what he said his convictions were. He lived a life of honor. 
um, a life of purpose, a life of integrity, a life of love like that, that would be as far as my accomplishments. I mean, I'm in my mid thirties. I've, you know, I've written books. I've written multiple books. I've written a book, co-authored a book that sold hundreds of thousands of copies. You know, I've been, I've been a part of major events. I've been a part of writing songs. I mean, I've, I've led an organization that reaches virtually every country in the world. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've done things that people want to do pedigrees that people want to earn. Um, but I, man, I'm telling you it, it, at the end of the day, it's all about relationship. The kingdom of God advances at the intersection of relationship. God did everything that he did crossing the chasm, stretching the divide between his divinity and our humanity by actually becoming that bridge. I mean, it's all about relationship. And so I, I would want it to highlight the relationships and how those relationships changed my world and changed the world. Mm. That is a beautiful send off message. Addison Bevere, man, thank you so much for your time today. Your, your story is honestly incredible. Or those stories that you were sharing today. I, I meant what I said. I could talk to you for ages, but thank you so Bro, much I feel the for same time today and, feel- and for joining me on this Storybox podcast. Absolutely, Jay. This is a huge honor. I love what you do. Please keep doing it. We need to understand life through story. We've tried to understand it through formula and that ends up cutting the corners in some way or another. And so I love what you do. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep inviting people to see their lives through story and inviting them into a greater story. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the Storybox, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.